Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not recording this podcast or writing about all things training and nutrition related, I am probably outside running or riding or meandering around just trying to actually enjoy our summer now that it's finally hot out. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach, and you are here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast where we look at and talk to people I don't know that we look at people. That's we look kinda... at them sometimes. Sometimes we're lucky in their crossroads, but we look at different movements and the people who do them and the people who coach them and, and study them and, and try and pull out different things about sport and movement that maybe apply across disciplines and, and maybe hopefully can apply back to whatever movement you're into. All right. That, that was a much better recovery than I anticipated. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, Peter, what have you been up to on this lovely long weekend that we've had? Well, it's been all about log hops. I've done a big group uh, or club sort of group session on a log hop intensive, as I coined it. Uh, so it was a full day and really good success. Everyone sort of progressed and, and we had at least uh, indications of a, a log hop, if not full out log hop or bunny hop for a lot of people. Uh, and then I had a sort of more semi-private session, a similar theme, similar sort of uh, I guess outcomes really, uh, today. Nice. And any tips for listeners on how to perfect their log hopping skills? Yeah, I think definitely people really rush to get that like all up in the air sort of bunny hop. And especially if you're using clubless pedals, you end up, you know, pulling with your cleats and, and what that looks like is sort of a two wheel together hop, uh, which is okay, but you got to make sure that you're getting that front wheel up. So your manual. So just like bigger, like bigger logs that you're sort of putting that front wheel up on top of and then maybe sort of pushing yourself over uh, or and or uh, getting used to sort of pushing the bike forward. Uh, so that might be something uh, that you use maybe going over like a, a big whoop, a big mound of dirt or a big log pile where you're sort of pushing the bike forward to get it sort of sped through the point where a lot of us end up with our chain rings or our rear wheels striking mm-hmm. fairly aggressively, right? So we're unweighting that rear wheel. Yeah, because that like the little bounce both wheels in the air that you can get when you have clipless pedals is all well and good in a field. But when you're actually on a trail, you've got to be going pretty fast and jump pretty aggressively to clear any actual logs. Sure. Yeah, there's definitely just a limit, right? Like you can get that like as far as how far or how high, right? Like if you're going to come at something that's you know, your knee height, are you going to try and lift like that? Cause I'm sure as heck wouldn't try and do it right. Like you're going to pummel your front wheel into it and then you flip over. Uh, so if you lead with the front wheel, more of like a dolphin hop or what might be called a J hop, uh, you end up sort of coming sort of up with your front wheel. And a lot of times you can lead with your front wheel. If it's, if it's really, really, really big one, then you'll often land sort of two wheels together. Uh, but the trick is sort of that that front wheel is driving the whole the whole thing. So mm-hmm. uh, I definitely have uh, five steps. You can sort of see sort of my rough five steps. Those sort of have different mid middle steps, but the, the rough five steps or five sort of methods for getting over a log. I have a nice sort of clean video for that and for cyclocross barrier hop, which is similar but with a barrier. So we'll link to those for sure. Nice. In the meantime, I've had a couple of Shred Girls events since since we last talked. Um, another really good night with the Collingwood Cycling Club last Monday, riding with some of the younger girls. And I've got some events coming up at Sea Otter Canada this week, which is pretty exciting. Um, and yeah, just been seeing a lot of the Shred Girls t-shirts kind of on and around the internet, which is always really cool. Uh, so just the the reminder, obviously, the Shred Girls book is out wherever books are sold. And if you go over to the Shred Girls website, there are tons of, you know, cool T-shirts and other different, you know, pieces of clothing and hats and stuff. So if you have a Shred Girl who has a birthday or an occasion coming up, shameless plug for that. Uh, yeah, so that's that's all I've got as far as new updates go. Just kind of plugging away on a lot of different projects right now. Feels it is like it's summer, right? Stuff's speeding up and slowing down at the same yeah. time. We're over halfway through the year, all of a sudden. Yeah, I don't really know where June went to, to be totally honest. But mm-hmm. you know, such a such as life. It's nice to actually be in summer weather. And we're we had made the pact earlier in the summer. I said I wanted to get to our beach uh, right along the Georgian Bay. It's only a couple miles from our house. I said this is the year we're going to the beach more often. So we've found ourselves a few times now at the end of the workday. We go, we 
hang out on the beach, get a little bit of an ice bath because frankly, the Georgian Bay is still freezing. Uh, but it's been really nice. Um, it makes me really enjoy where we live when we actually are home. Yeah, sometimes it's it's hard to forget sort of the things you do have, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. have really nice backyards or, you know, little paths sort of near their house or, or whatever, right? But sometimes yeah. it's, it's for, hard to forget that you can take, I guess, mini vacations. Yeah, I actually listed that in my, I listed like three things. That's my one thing for this week. And one was just making time for those summer things. What you know, even a 15 minute, just chill out on the back porch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so easy to forget doing that stuff. We just hung out down by a pond with our friends, you know, last night just for half an hour. And it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get definitely get outside when you can. Mm-hmm. Um, any other one thing, little little tricks that you've been into this week? No, we haven't done one thing for a while. I know. But, uh, yeah, so no, you need no, like 10. Yeah, nothing really really comes to mind. So Okay, well, I have two more. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, one is we've been really into cucumbers in white vinegar lately as like a weird like chili before dinner snack. Um, it is honestly the most satisfying thing, especially if you're the kind of person who's really into salt and vinegar chips, which I am. Even talking about them right now has my mouth watering a little. Yeah, and we make like a guac sort of pico de gallo combo, I guess. So yeah. avocados with tomatoes. And it's it's odd, but the cucumbers actually like to sort of either break up your chip consumption or replace it. They actually work okay as little chippies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you're trying to cut back on your, your chips or just add... Honestly, even if you listened to last week's episode with Stacey Sims, we talked about ways to sneak in hydration during the summer and, mm-hmm. you know, hydration rich foods like watermelon, cucumber, she she pointed out as great ideas. So, you know, cucumber, just an extra way to sneak in a little bit more hydration on those really hot days. Yeah, I think just even as a easy vegetable appetizer, right? Mm-hmm. Like chop up a cucumber quick and throw some white vinegar on and it's pretty tasty. Fair warning, if you don't finish it the next day, they are pretty intense if you leave them in the vinegar yeah, the overnight. overnight. ones aren't bad, but they're super good. Spicy, for sure. Yeah. Uh, and then my last one is the reminder to cool down your bedroom for better sleep at night. Um, this is, I like, cannot stress this enough. And we've got to have another sleep expert on sometime soon because I feel like so many of our expert coaches who come on talk about sleep as this you know, oh my gosh, this is the missing piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so PSA, by any way, shape, or form, I mean, we've slept with ice packs before, like wrapped in towels and just kind of, you know, put them on your belly or your back or wherever and do that if you don't have an air conditioner. Yeah, I think even just the perception at least, right, if it's not, but I think having them in your hands or along your wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want to be careful you don't burn your skin, but it's definitely, I, I don't know, at least for getting to sleep, like you still might wake up really hot if it's really hot in your house, but. Yeah. And drinking, we're, we used to drink tea at night before bed when it's, you know, when yeah. it's cold out, that's great, but yeah, I've had to no go if you can't do that anymore. Now it's just like piling in ice into water and I don't even like ice and water. So when I'm doing it, you know, it's gotten hot out. Yeah. We should almost try like some iced tea of some type like Mm. try and make up some just like pre-brew maybe yeah because i do love my my lemon ginger tea at night Mm. so yeah well well maybe maybe that can be your one thing next week or maybe a cucumber water or something like that i I guess that's really trendy i believe you gave me guff about making cucumber water last week seems really odd to me but i guess if you're looking for flavored water a la tea Mm -hmm. so so what do we enough. have? We have some questions this week. We've got week. some questions. Yeah. The first one um, is all about nutrients and just sports nutrition during exercise for men versus women. Um, well, we just had Stacey Sims I was going to say. So yeah. first thing to do, go back and listen to our podcast with Stacey Sims. Um, she doesn't address that question directly in the episode, but there's tons of really great info in there. I wonder if the first one too probably has something that she was on, right? Yeah. We've had her on before and we've definitely talked about this stuff. Um, and if that's not enough, definitely pick up her book, Roar. It is, you know, just one of the most all-encompassing guides to women in sport that I've ever read. Um, So I kind of pulled a little bit of stuff from that and then have some kind of thoughts in general. But, you know, women don't operate the same as men do because we have hormonal cycles throughout the month. So right there, we're going to have a difference in terms of our various needs throughout the months at some points. 
you know, we might need a little bit more carbohydrate. At other points, we might be sweating a little more. We might need a little bit more salt. Um, and at some points of the month, we might be having some more GI distress than we are at other points. So something that worked one week might not work the next week. Super fun. Um, so, you know, just expect for women, we just have needs that are going to change throughout you know, the month. So figuring out your cycle and how that relates to your food can be really, really useful. Uh, she has a ton of stuff in the book about that. Um, and I mean, she's the one that coined that phrase, women are not small men. So it's not like, oh, you know, a man this size needs XYZ. So a woman this size needs XYZ times 0.75. Um, it's, you know, not quite that simple. Um, so but neither is, uh, neither is sports nutrition in general, though. Um, Peter and I were talking about this before we started recording, and I think it's really easy for a man and a woman training together to start eating the exact same way. Um, you know, you're riding with your partner and you take out a gel, so she takes out a gel. Um, by the end of the ride, you know, you've had your 400 calories an hour that you know is what you need. It's a lot of calories per hour, but go with it. Uh, and so has she, which is probably like twice what she actually, you know, can digest and absorb. And she's probably can not going to be. Can people do that? Absolutely. I am, I'm terrible for if we're riding together and you take a drink, then I will take a drink. If you don't take a drink, I probably won't. Right. Cause I was thinking like a lot of this is like, uh, fair enough. Women are not small men. But I think a lot of it is coming back to like, what is the objective for you for that day? And like, what are even the habits, right? Like, I think a lot of people just don't bring food. Just like, oh, no, I just didn't bring food. I didn't think I needed it. So I think right off the bat, like having some options in your pocket, I always have in my right pocket, a couple bars, a couple gels, even if it's just a recovery spin, because half the time I end up and it's like ends up being some epic thing because I take a crazy turn and way I go. But I think just always having options. So if you know your tastes are going to change or a gel isn't appetizing, it's too hot, it's too cold, then just having some some options, right? Or, oh, I didn't have enough breakfast this morning. I'm feeling really hungry. Well, you're going to have to eat, right? But if you're like, oh, I had lots of breakfast. I feel full. I don't feel like eating. Maybe you're not going to eat. Um, so I think sometimes coming back to like forgetting whether you're who you are so much and just think like, what situation am I in? Like, am I hungry Yes, no. Am I like slowly fading? Like, am I feeling my mood changing? Um, you know, I think if you're tuned into that, then a lot of this takes care of itself. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I'll make the argument that starting a ride mildly dehydrated versus starting a ride female, um, the dehydrated thing is much more, much more pertinent to the ride itself. Right, right. And I think just feel like so many people are either like full gas, like every ride has you know, so much sugar powder and gels. And then some people are just like never eat until it's way too late. And they're on the side of the trail, like cramping and, you know, just completely like non-responsive. I feel like you're looking at me pretty pointedly right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, you know, you come back to the, like, did you feel sick and were you vomiting? Then you probably were eating too much, you know, or, or are you on the other side? You like faded, you weren't performing as you wanted, you got moody, uh, you got super hungry then you probably needed to eat more, right? And then we have these rules of thumb and you can say like, you know, 200 calories per hour. Uh, again, if you are going longer or hard, you know, and, and I think you just start from there. But I don't know. I just don't know if there's, for most of us, I don't know that there's these extreme differences. Yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about like the last like 5% of the equation is in those like very you know, slight like differences in what you need electrolyte wise or exact carb ratio that's, you know, super optimal. But yeah, most of us could really just get a whole lot better with just eating and drinking for what our bodies need at any given time. And, you know, even Stacy will point out like most, you know, when you're talking about a calorie is a calorie, like if you're looking at just what's on the label, even that's not really a perfect measure of, you know, what a calorie is or, yeah you know, anything like that. So you really, unfortunately, have to do so much of this legwork yourself for you specifically. And you probably have some idea too, if you're the one of the two people, right? Like, are you always fueling and feeling like full and, you know, there's no variation day to day, or are you the person who just never eats until it's too late? 
you know, you can't eat while you're riding. Like that would be another sort of habit skill, right? A lot of people can't, if they don't stop, then they can't mm -hmm. consume anything. Yeah, and that could funny. be for a variety of reasons, but you got to work through that if that's, especially if any sort of like racing intervals, training is an objective. Like that's, you know, we're sitting here talking about advanced stuff when it's really just, can you put, you know, a, your banana or a bar or whatever. And you know what? I've actually been like shocked by, you know, people at like a fairly high level who can't eat while pedaling. Well, and pedaling, like there's whole layers of that, right? Pedaling while you're on somewhat technical gravel trail, somewhat technical single track, like climbing, you know, going quickly in a group, in a yeah. group with like a hundred people, right? It's terrifying. The road race I did the other day, it was like, I still don't like it, but you got to do it, right? Like at some point it's, don't risk your, your safety, but you have to learn to do it, right? Yeah. And I, it's not really related to, um, you know, gender and nutrition, but I think the other thing is, uh, it's what, what are you actually going to eat? Um, so for, for me, for some bike rides, I know, okay, like I'd much rather, I, I'm aware that, you know, I don't disagree with Stacy that it's better to eat your calories in food and drink your electrolytes. I generally agree with that stance, but for me, I can't run and eat very easily. Like it bugs my stomach. If I'm, you know, riding a mountain bike, I'm probably not that good at actually unwrapping food and eating it. So I'm going to put my calories in my bottle because that's how I'm going to take in calories. Yeah. It's a tough one to reconcile because a lot of people do fine that way. Um, the other thing I was thinking though, that Stacy talks about, especially for females is, you know, if you end up depleting yourself, the consequence of like going into that sort of, we'll call it fasted state in that you're riding for an extended period of time, depleting yourself, depleting yourself, depleting the tank is empty. What are the consequences of that? As far as like a hormonal cascade, right? Cause your body's now been super stressed by both the workout and then also the depletion. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's sort of a, especially for females, I think her view is that you need to be a little cautious about running that tank to empty. Yeah. A lot. Right? Yeah. She speaks a bunch in the book about red S, which is formerly known as the female athlete triad, right, right. but they've, you know, since kind of come to terms with it, you know, you can have certain symptoms while still, you know, not showing other signs. And it's also just not localized to just women who have these issues. Um, so it's relative energy deficiency right. instead of female athlete triad. And, you know, she talks about the fact that you can have, you know, 30% body fat and still be in that relative energy deficiency. And the idea, yeah, is like there's just the energy availability is the other sort of term that goes with that, right? And it's just like, you know, breakfast was non-existent or five, six, seven hours ago, no lunch, you know, nothing, no snack beforehand ride nothing in the ride and then maybe nothing after you got to run to basketball practice with the kids you know it seems like oh wow no one does that but like a lot of people do that right and it's not wrong life's busy you might not feel that hungry it might be normal right but you can get into some fueling trouble if that's the question and it is um you know and i think all of us need to be careful with that but i think stacy's view at least is that for females especially there's maybe less room to play with that mm-hmm um, and the idea to me, like the way I sell this is always like work capacity. Like if your body's getting depleted, it's going to start reducing your work capacity. So your wattage, your speed is not going to be as good. Um, you know, you're not going to be as coordinated. There's things like this. So if you have, again, that's where it's like, if you care at all about the performance, you should be eating, you know, pre, during, post. Well, heck, you know what? Let's even say, even if you care about the calories burned or you're trying to lose weight, if you don't fuel that ride, you're not actually going to lose the weight because your ride's going to suck. Your watts are going to slow down. You're not going to yeah. finish your rides. And I'm trying to think too, like I, I can't say that I have like a stereotypical like female client because the men do it almost the same. Like all those things I was just talking about, like skipping breakfast too long, like five, six, seven hours before between the, the meal and the workout, fine to leave a you know, one, two, three hour block, that's normal. But as it starts getting longer and longer, right? Like it's a long time to wait and then expect that your body's going to have the fuel ready to say like, yeah, let's go and hit this like really high intensity workout. Right. Mm -hmm. So then we end up having poor quality workouts. Fatigue is lasting for a long time. And I, so I don't think to me, like there's Stacy's the expert on the, the sex differences, but I think 
again, a lot of it comes back to, I guess, these fundamentals and similar for both. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Apologies for the tangent there, but. <laughs> well, it's complex and there's a lot of stuff. Right? Yeah, I think that's that's a good one. Okay. Um, this next one is all about um, a listener who's trying to incorporate 15 minutes of daily core practice in the morning. Hooray! Uh, she's currently doing planks for about four of those minutes, and then she does some sit-ups, push-ups, and air squats. Um, could we share our routines for this? Right. Mine is so dialed. Well, it's ridiculous. we'll put a couple links. You have a couple yoga routines. So yoga counts. Mm-hmm. You know, you could make yoga harder. You can go downward dog and then do some push-ups. So I think lots of yoga stuff, any of the one-legged, the warriors are basically lunges. So we'll post Molly's yoga, couple of yoga routines. Yep, I actually also, the other day, recorded my entire 15-minute right. morning so core. So there'll be that so then, I guess, too. I will speed that up because it is really boring, but you can uh, you can watch it on like 10 times speed and just see very quickly what it looks like. And I have a couple like anywhere core. So if you do like Peter Glassford anywhere core or something, I have a couple of different variations on that. Molly, I think, was in one we did two yeah so we'll, we'll link to those but if you need to google around um but i think for this listener too like you listed a couple different mo- motions like to me that's 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 a routine right there and you just go through it like maybe instead of doing your max reps so if that's what you're doing drop it down and do so say you could do 10 of each of those um and maybe with the planks you rather than doing four minutes a lot of times i prefer that there's some sort of movement in that especially if we're cycling or running right like we have to be able to switch our stance so Mm -hmm. i'd rather see like shoulder taps or like alternate leg and arm lifts and do like 10 each side or five each side into your push-up into squats what was the other motion um yeah sit-ups push-ups air squats sure and then sit-ups in there so really for 15 minutes you could go through just four exercises uh, I'm trying to think if I would add anything. Like if you have dumbbells, like something like we don't do a lot of rowing or pulling. So pull up, bent over row, TRX row. Those would be nice to add into that routine for a bit of balance. Yeah. And I mean, I would I would personally swap the sit-ups at least some of the time for, you know, whether it's something, you know, with more twisting in it or even just like a V-sit type situation. Um, just to Just to switch it up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, something like a, a careful leg lower or I, I do... I prefer to do like hanging so that I get my hanging and grip practice in at the same time, but then do sort of leg lifts or a gar hammer style thing while hanging, but some sort of front core. Like I think if you do front core and back core, like a back extension, you know, with your planks too. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also add in, I like glute bridges. I think those are really important for cyclists just to learn how to activate your butt basically. Yep. Um, I think that's a great and one. And they're a great starter. I always say to people like, you just have to do a glute bridge. You're going to have to lay down on your mat in the morning and just do 10 glute bridges. And if you're over it and you want to get up and go back to bed or, but you got to get up and try that. And it's a nice, that movement's really nice. Like you're laying on your back, feet are on the floor. So your knees are up in the air. And you're just raising your hips, right? You could do that single leg, but for simplicity, do 20 of those. Try and really feel the squeeze in your butt, uh, in your glutes. And yeah, that's a really great starter one, but easy to add in with this group of exercises, right? And you could just rotate through that for 10, 15 minutes and just keep, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's what I, if you could find something to pull again, like a, a water bottle, what else could you pull? Like a backpack with some heavy stuff in it. And you're going to sort of put one hand on an end table and then row that up really. Cause that's what we're missing a lot of that sort of stuff. But so what's in your, your routine? You said you had one you filmed. Is that what you're going to, yeah, yeah. So I'll post that. But yeah, I mean, I do this, I do similar with planks, but I do side planks. I do elbows. I do mm-hmm. straight armed. Um, and then, yeah, I have kind of a whole series with bridges and clamshells and, uh, like some V-sit stuff and twisting in there and some leg raises. And then I go right into my yoga, which is, yeah, much more of like a, we'll call it a power flow, I guess. Um, so there's some lunges in there. There's some push-ups. I like pigeon in there because, you know, nice to open the hips a little bit in the morning. Um, so yeah, I have all of that in a video that I will, I will toss up, yeah, but I think it's, you- it's super, super simple. And I think honestly, like the thing I'm the most proud of in any of my athletic stuff is that I've been doing that for a few years now, every morning. Yeah, I mean, both of us, mine's sort of just 10 ish minutes. I sort of have, I go through my, my push pull for lower body, push pull for upper body and then push pull for vertical upper body. So your pull up and overhead press. Um, and some mornings it's, 
not 10 minutes at all, but I do all of those. And then some mornings I'll do more. But the one thing I was thinking too, that a lot of people, we pretty much all have some sort of quote unquote, like physio exercise, therapy exercise, mobility exercise. Uh, what else might we call this? Like something, something that someone told us to do. Once yeah. That we like your done. coach, like I'm sure my clients are giggling because most of them have some sort of homework that I'm like, Hey, you want to just do this? You know, that'll help whatever with whatever the, the complaint uh, is or injury is. You know, we've all, as older people, had some sort of shoulder trauma, especially if we're cyclists. Um, runners, trail runners especially, probably have hit the deck a few times, right? So uh, whatever those therapy things you're supposed to be doing with the bands, um, those those would be great to add in and just do every morning, right? And like Molly's saying, if you add those up, you'd be, you probably wouldn't have a shoulder problem if you just did your, you know, arms over your head every morning for a minute. Yeah, it's con- it's amazing how quickly it adds up. And I mean, just going to like add the caveat because I feel like there's a lot of people that listen every time I say that, that like roll their eyes and are like, oh, well, you know, I can't do it because X, Y, Z or like, oh, I, you know, I'm just like not motivated to do it. I am literally never motivated to do it. <laughs> it is never it's something I'm like, yeah, you oh gotta my make gosh. It. Hey. The first few weeks, right? It's like anything. You just got to start, right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so yeah, look to the show notes for those videos. Um, Next question, adding in races that aren't on the calendar. So this is the time of year, the new tempting shiny races that didn't previously get, you know, didn't cross your eye, but now are popping up on your Instagram ads or your friends are saying, oh, you know, just hop into this 10K with me or, you know, let's do this you know, whatever fun relay thing on the weekend, et cetera. Um, pros, cons, should I, shouldn't I? I mean, as always, it depends. But in general, I am a very big stickler for having a plan. So early in the season, deciding on the plan, there's probably a quote unquote a race or the one you really want to build towards. This isn't true for everyone, but um, you know, there's, there's the focus event. Most people, if you're training, you have something that you're sort of looking forward to and you want to see yourself do well or have a good day or, or whatever, right. However you're defining success. And I think sometimes it's tempting like to, to wait for that, like delayed, well, it's like delayed gratification, I guess, but to like the test is coming, the test is coming and you're like, Oh, I need to go like pre-test. I need to like do a s- exact same thing. Right. So the classic is, hundred milers like Leadville or something like this. It's like, everyone wants to ride a hundred miles beforehand. And it's like, no, you don't like, that's not really what we need to do uh, necessarily. You know, the running example of that is there are almost, I can't actually think of a single marathon plan and I've done a fair number of them that would ever tell you to go out and run 26 miles for your long run. I guess the only thing would be like someone like who is world-class, you you would see that they could long run, but that is not, many of us right that is you were probably sponsored by nike and yeah running a two-hour marathon so yeah uh i'm trying to think what else oh so the there's that so there's like so the wait big is race. there like a you know okay so your your goal race is let's say august 10th what like how many weeks out do you stop adding races? Because, you know, like we're going to add races. It's going to happen. Fun, you know, fun stuff's going to come up. I we like, didn't add races. I but. know, but like, let's be honest here. So what is like the drop dead? Like, you know, it's five weeks out. You absolutely can't put a race on the calendar. Hmm. With something that's long distance, I would be hesitant. But I mean, you would see people who would race, you know, there's, there's sort of the, the old wisdom, I guess, would be you're getting towards that big race. There's maybe like a race the week before. Oh, I'm not saying like a race, like on the calendar. I'm saying adding a race in. Yeah, I don't know. In that last month, I certainly wouldn't go off the plan unless there was like an obvious reason, right? And there's, we all have different experiences. Some of us have such debilitating race nerves that you could make a compelling argument, right? And that's the way I try and sell it to clients is like, make a compelling argument. Like I'm not like such a stickler that I can't see this not working out. Um, You know, I have one client who's racing, added something recently here. Um, He had a big like six hour workout and then he's gonna go do like a six hour race. And for him, just by he's very busy, um, like professional, so it doesn't get to trail a lot. And his family has summer vacations, which we're going to talk about a bit here too. 
so just like his chance to actually quote unquote gameplay, like simulate the race in training. Like I, I do like to see in that we use the same equipment and work on our pacing and our nutrition and stuff. His opportunity to really do a good job on that was just, it, it was, it was limited. It wasn't an ideal situation. So this sort of came up and, and we're two months out probably from his race when that happened. Um, and, and so we added that in. So it's not that you like can't, but you should be able to make a compelling argument why a, a training week and this is really the the problem with adding races is that if you race, then you should probably race. And so you're going to want to recover for several days ahead and however long that is. And then you're going to be tired after the race. So there's going to be days after, right? And so we lose a lot of training time, in my opinion. Again, it's not that you can't do it, but you need to be careful. And I think the only other thing... Re relevant to that is the weekly races and group rides are sort of in the same thing so like adding races especially late like evening things just gets tricky sometimes especially if there is that that race is coming quickly um you just got to be careful right yeah it's funny people keep asking me like what my next race for the season is and i keep explaining i'm not racing a lot this season because i really don't want to get into the race recover race recover race recover mode right because i i don't find that particularly useful for you know building fitness over time yeah it's tough and it's it depends when the goal is too but for you you sort of have a september like run you're doing it's not necessarily a formal race but a, a fastest known time that you're going to try and do and we'll say i have much bigger plans two years from now right and so you, you are putting in like a base period, which a lot of people don't generally race. Um, all those Strava and Swift and stuff are sort of changing this, but, um, yeah, you know, you're, you're trying to put in consistent training, which means, yeah, not a whole lot of racing, especially yeah, when you're racing anything that's in the ultra like hundred mile on the bike, or in my case, like 50 K on the run, like, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, 50K on the run is like a baby ultra, but it still requires a fair amount of recovery. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because, you know, people a lot of times would think, oh, okay, I'm going to go do, even in, in cycling terms, you know, we're doing 100 mile is the goal. I'm going to go do a 50 mile race. So half the distance. Um, and we do do that a lot of times. Like it's good to have those races to get through and sort of test stuff out in a race situation. But um I think sometimes it's it's tricky to add those in. I'm just sort of losing the tr my train of thought, honestly. I think just within the you know confines of like the build up to the race itself, it's hard if you're constantly recovering oh, sure. from races. Yeah, sorry. So uh, your confidence. So in your case, you could say like, oh Molly, you should have done like even 10k runs. I even poke at you every now and then like oh they're having a 10k run. Oh they're having a 10k run. Yeah, and, you, and that's and, why you're not my coach, Peter. And you could be like oh yeah, that'd be like confidence boosting. Cause I raced and it, I finished great. Right. And I went really hard. I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I can't go as hard as I can in a race. But if you can give those like months of preparation, like there's a confidence that comes from, and you've said this to me a bunch of times, like, wow, I just did 22 miles on a Wednesday and like still functioned as a human. Right. And it's like, you now have this level of confidence that if I was like, or your coach in this case was uh, like, Hey Molly, tomorrow you're racing in this, you know, whatever you'd be like, yeah, I guess I'll put my pack on and stuff it with a bunch of stuff and away I go. Right. Uh, so you start becoming like where your everyday stance is like your battle stance, right? Where, and that's much more, that's, I'd say the consummate athlete ethos, maybe. Well, that is part of where we started, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boom. All right. The entire, that's, that's a wrap. We're just done with the podcast. We've, <laughs> I guess we've come back to the beginning. <laughs> I guess the other question would be like, how do you know, you, you know, this isn't a good idea. And I think a lot of times people know, you know, I just answered an email from a client and they wanted to, oh, I could go to these weekly races, but in the same thread of, of email. So in the same email, I should say they had the, something about, oh, the last couple of weeks I've been exhausted and I have been, and it's like, well, staying out late at night and adding in race efforts right? Like it, it almost, the email almost answers itself, right? Mm -hmm. Like I can see that's compelling. The race is there. It does exist close to your home. It's probably socially fun, but there's probably something if you like go through like an assessment of how am I right now? How are my numbers doing? How do I feel confident for the actual goal? 
Um, you can probably have a, a, a pro con list type thing, you know, reasons for and against. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many of your clients are actually relieved when you say not to do things because like they're only asking because like a friend wants them to race or, you know, they feel like they, they should do something. Uh, you're, uh. you're probably right in some cases, but I think a lot of us do like it's social, right? Like ultimately I coach master's mm -hmm. age like adults with busy lives and families right so i mean racing is fun that's why we hopefully do it so i, I don't know maybe maybe there's sometimes you wouldn't want to just say like oh a coach says i can't do it and mm -hmm. i guess there you go it's pretty much why i have a coach david if you're listening i pretty much just count on you to be like nope um okay we got okay. another question all right um it's this is a good one because I mean, this is the week for it right here. Um, vacation tips for getting in workouts while, you know, trying to balance spending time with kids and, you know, all of the, the fun madness that goes along with vacation. And, you know, also even just the eating right in airports and, you know, while you're at the all-inclusive resort and, so you know. The, my number, the one, my stock email, if it's a stock email, it's more of a post, but can you prepare for the goal that you have set is the question you want to ask yourself. I have a post. We'll link to it. The idea here is that there's a lot of different things. We've talked, I think, in a more recent podcast about like, okay, I want to do Leadville. Okay, do you actually want to ride your mountain bike on only gravel roads for the next bunch of months to prepare for this? Or are you like only a road cyclist and only in a city because it's going to be tough for you and frustrating to prepare, right? It's going to involve driving to ride your bike. Mm -hmm. um, trail runner, are you going to go to some mountainous terrain and r climb on some mountains or are you going to just run on pavement because you're actually like really like pavement running, right? So you'd be surprised how often people end up like either by th their actual preference. We talked about me doing triathlon, which was to learn to swim, but like it was torturous for me to ride in a straight line on pavement and run on pavement. Um, and, and so you just need to be careful that you're willing to prepare for the goal that you have set. What fits with that is if your family goes on vacation every like all of July and you're going to race August 1st through 31st, then the July vacation is going to be potentially troublesome and frustrating, right? Not impossible, but I think I would assess that and look at like, could I go do my A race in June or like in July ahead of vacation, right? I think a lot of us think too much about the like what race and not the like when and what else is going on in life. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Do you have any? Well, so that's that's like someone who has a distinct A race goal that's, you know, directly correlated with vacation. Um, so I think my yeah. first vacation thought is figuring out what your minimum like your minimum standard of training is. So it, does that look like doing your 15 minutes of core in the morning and getting in a three mile run, say, or getting in, you know, whatever, 10,000 steps a day, like figure out what your absolute bare minimum that you're, you're willing to lower down to is like where as long as you get that done, you're going to feel good. And I mean, for Peter and I, when we've done vacations, in the past or, you know, family stuff, the 15 minute core is definitely the biggest. If you get that done and nothing else goes according to plan, you got that done. So yeah, definitely. go back to earlier in this episode and establish your 15 minute morning core because that's, I think it's like that an keeps early you. Win. Yeah. It's, it's like making your bed or whatever. Yeah. The other thing is, you know, you kind of have to let some of the stuff go. Like, sure, you know, you can bring your bike if you have that big goal and, you know, your your partner has agreed that, okay, it's fine if you, you know, do this training plan. But, you know, to me, like, if you're on vacation, you might as well be on vacation. That's what I was going to say for sure. Like, I think most of the time that's the answer. Like, you should definitely prioritize that time and just take it as a, a recovery off week. And I mean, it's not to say you can't walk or hike or no, sup you should or definitely surf with your family, but yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's how my original thought there too. Like that's even if you're not doing like a, a massive undertaking, I think planning your, your training, um, so that you're, you, you should be having some variety in your training load and intensity and volume. So if you sort of plan around that vacation, maybe you do push it a little bit 
assuming work isn't stressful and you're sleeping well and, you know, going on vacation doesn't require stressful stuff in the week ahead, push that week beforehand. So you're a little in the, you know, a little deep in the hole and then go on vacation and like soak it up. This is an extremely tight turnaround example, but I just booked in August, I'm going to do an ultra race on a weekend and go from there to vacation with my family for my mom's 60th birthday. Sure. Um, so that's kind of my recovery week from the race is actually my vacation. So, you know, for those of you with the the goal race that happens to be in a nice destination, that might even be your idea. A is lot like, of, I wouldn't say a lot, but maybe 25% of the people I have who do like a Leadville type thing. Um, and even actually like cans and stuff, people have like, maybe their families are part of it. Maybe they're doing it too, or um, the family flies maybe just for race day or maybe just after race day. They come depending on whether the family wants yeah, to be there or come not. After race I don't day. blame them for not. Uh, but then they'll come and then, you know, you're in Colorado and you can do whatever family's into in Colorado and, or wherever you happen to be. Right. And, um, I think that's a cool way, right. Again, cause it's the pressure's all gone. You know, you're, you're ready to have vacation. Mm-hmm. But yes, definitely, you know, that minimum effective dosage of do whatever you need to do to feel good, but you know, don't feel guilty for skipping your, you know, 10 hours of training a week or whatever. And then I guess it is another compelling argument for sort of the consummate athlete. Like a lot of times I would just run Mm -hmm. um, to sort of maintain a bit of, you know, if we're we're talking about maintaining fitness to me, you're trying to maintain for a lot of us things like plasma volume. So, you know, how your heart rate gets high when you get back, you haven't trained in a long time, your heart rate's higher. So trying to keep some sort of aerobic load in there so that when you get back, sort of that response is hopefully decent and you still feel about the same, maybe hopefully a little more rested, but you haven't necessarily lost a ton of fitness. So to me, if you can do a few different sports, then you sort of have more options and running is obviously much more portable. Mm-hmm. Um, walking and hiking, I think are, are pretty accessible for most people. Uh, a lot of clients do like uphill walking on a treadmill if they're not runners. Um, you know, walking up the stairs at a big high rise might fit. Uh, what else do they do? I think if we're in like a exercise bike or spin bike, a lot of people will just do like something simple, like 20 minutes of 30 thirties or something like warm up quick and then hard for 30 seconds, easy for 30 seconds, just by feel. Uh, and that's a quick and dirty sort of, you'll, you'll be tired by the end of the 20 minutes and, but you'll feel like you worked and then it's only, you know, half an hour throw your core in with that. And it's a nice little 40 minute bout before breakfast or something. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, I mean, the more you can do as a family though, or, you know, with whoever you're on vacation with the better, um, unless your spouse or partner is like, please go away right now. And yeah, some people, you know, you'd sort of wake up early and do that while the family's sleeping or right. But I mean, you definitely want to talk about a lot of this stuff, whether it's scheduling out the race goals around vacation, a lot of it is conversations, right? Like, Hey, I'm going to bring my bike on vacation. Is that okay? Is, is probably a good thing and just see how that fits. Um, cause sometimes it's not a big deal, right? Sometimes, yeah, I'd just be done by 10 AM and you know, it's not the end of the world or. Well, and if you're going to do that, then also expect to be on top of the childcare in the afternoon and let your partner sure. go do his or her And I think other for activity. those with kids, right? Like that's definitely part of vacation is probably a bit of a alone time doing whatever you want to do right Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah we've actually gotten a request to get some like awesome parents who are like living a pretty solid consummate athlete lifestyle on to talk about how they balance everything so Mm. on that note if anyone knows any great parents who seem to be just crushing it at doing it all um, by all means let us know nominate them to be on the podcast because i would love to hear from them um so that's that's that and then any tips on healthy eating and drinking we'll say on vacation um this is a tough one peter is looking at me like i'm a crazy person because peter has no problem sticking to a very healthy diet wherever he is in the I world mean, as long as i'm not good if there's stuff like i think you got to stay out of the bad situations so just be careful buying like a lot of times you like buy a bunch of stuff that's even in a hotel room or something feel like that's you just got to not do that because <laughs> uh, a lot of times like people have generally decent willpower it's like when you're shopping and you're not hungry and stuff it's when it's like just sitting there right so it could be like you know you have a 24 pack of coke or you know a bunch of chippies or something right so 
if you go to like a Mexican restaurant, there's chips, you know, you can maybe stop after the first chip uh, basket, but it's hard, right? Once the chips are there, you're eating them. And then they bring you that second basket, take away the one that still had a couple left. So I think that like, just be careful what's in the house, what's in the hotel. It's yeah. a big one. And then I think just trying to keep on top of, you know, have some water in the morning when you're ordering food, try and have some perspective. I guess perspective is not the right word, but try and, you know, get something with some vegetables and some protein with it. And, you know, if there's going to be dessert, fine, enjoy that you're on vacation, but like try and cover your bases each day as best you can. Right. You sort of hit the three points that I always come back to, which is the hydration. So, I mean, no matter where in the world we are, we have water bottles with us. We would, I don't think ever go anywhere. Like heck, we won't even really go to the grocery store without a water bottle on us. I don't know if we're that crazy. That makes us sound like we're lunatics. Like, I think I'm okay without having water. But I think for travel, like when you're on a plane or in an airport, it's hard to, like, it's expensive to buy water. It's also pretty Um, wasteful to continually buy plastic water bottles. And like a lot of hotels, it's kind of hard to... Depending on when you are, yeah. Get, like a lot of them don't have cups in the... like, Like Vegas is classic, right? Yeah, Vegas is awful. Like not even a coffee maker, not a cup to be found. Yeah, they're definitely trying to get you into the treats mm-hmm. yeah. so bring your bring your water bottle and just make sure it's you know pretty continually full and you know i've ever since uh i remember when i was on the cycling team in college and i was so impressed with the willpower of this one guy because we were at a college party and you know keg was flowing but he had a track race the next day and he was like well i'm gonna be good tonight for every beer i drink i have to finish this nalgene of water <laughs> And I remember being like, wow, that guy has a lot of willpower. Mm. Um, so, you know, probably don't do that. But I do think the like for any, you know, cocktail or glass of wine or beer you have, have a water. At the very least, it's going to slow you down. Yeah. And get, you know, a lot of people find the carbonated water or soda or something is sort of a, a way to sort of get a similar mouth feel sort of habit. And it's sort of like Molly's saying, it sort of takes up time and. If nothing else, you're putting some water in too. Uh, we've talked about around holidays and stuff, right? So try and figure out like what's the worth it thing for you. So again, if you can have any sort of, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not perspective, but like prerogative. Any sort of just like you're looking at this plate, you know, the options at the buffet or something. And it's like, do you really want those white rolls or the things I always pick on? Like this miscellaneous dinner roll or is it like you want a piece of pie? Okay, you're on vacation, have a piece of pie, but like, Try and pick your battles. You I know. forget who said it. We had someone on who said something to the effect of like, if you can't have a piece of your grandmother's pie at Christmas, what are you doing with your diet? Wasn't <laughs> Dr. Bubs, but who was on before Dr. Bubs? I forget. It might have it might have been Lori Netescu. I'm not positive. I might have to go back and look because that's my favorite kind of quote ever because it, it really puts it in perspective. Was it? Maybe it was... Was it Trent on Dr. Bub's podcast? Maybe you're like, maybe, maybe you're oh. just like pretending like it was said on our podcast. Yeah, huh? I don't know. I might be lying. Well, another sales pitch for Dr. Bub's podcast, I guess. But it's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, you know, you want to be able to, if you're on vacation, be on vacation, right? I think the worst thing is it's sort of like if you're going to race, you got to race. So wherever you are, you got to do the thing. Yeah. It's honestly, it's really depressing to get back from vacation and be like, wow, I, you know, really stuck to this super strict diet and I got in all my exercise and all of a sudden you like realize like, oh crap, I didn't have any fun. Yeah. And I think that's when you talk about definitely the things I sort of mentioned there, like we do, if, if you need to train because there's an event coming up, then, you know, this is something we've committed to and hopefully discuss with the family. But I don't know. I tend to be pretty just like, okay, you're on vacation. Like, we'll just, when you get back, like try and come back with like decent, you've had decent food, decent sleep, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're really motivated. Cause that's the thing too. Like, it's not just the, the physical, we think so much about the fitness, but if you can come back from a week off with your family and everyone's happy and you actually slept a lot of us, like, especially if you're a busy person, right? You just haven't. So if you can come back from vacation and not be train wrecked, hopefully you're, you know, if you're in Vegas, just going wild, like maybe not. But if you're on a family vacation, you can just get some decent sleep, some good time with the family, you know, some decent food, feeling fueled. Um, I mean, you're going to come back and you're going to be so motivated and so energized. Yeah. Before, before we went to Costa Rica this year, I'd been having all the knee issues and I remember like debating what to do and my coach was just like just you're going dark for two weeks like you're not gonna 
you're not going to be, you know, checking in every day. You're not going to have any runs on the schedule. You're just going to be on vacation. And it was probably the healthiest thing I could have possibly done for myself because I came back feeling so much better and so much less stressed. Yeah. And I mean, you weren't, this was very early in your, your, I guess, official training period. Mm -hmm. So frustrating for you, but I mean, you weren't necessarily, you weren't nearly as fit as you are now in terms of your specific goal fitness. But I mean, was it that painful to get training again? Like you really weren't, then that was a 10 days, right? When we ran and walked a bunch, but again, nothing official, right? But you, you got back, right? Mm -hmm. I always figure the first couple of weeks where you're not fit, it's like, oh, well, you just, you're moving and you're training all of a sudden, right? Yep. <laughs> it's not free and it's not comfortable necessarily, but at least, you know, you know, you're stressing that body. It doesn't take a lot. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll wrap up there. Hopefully a bunch of you listening are about to head out for your vacation. Uh, those of you in the American audience, enjoy your upcoming yes. long weekend. Happy Independence happy, Day and Happy Canada Fourth Day of July. And... and all right, we will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.